0: Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic Episode 18 on 5x5. Bandwidth for November is brought to you by MindNode, an intuitive mind mapping app for Mac and iOS. Whether you're brainstorming for your next project, organizing your life, or planning your vacation, MindNode lets you collect, structure, and expand your ideas. Always have your mind maps with you thanks to integrated iCloud sharing. Just visit MindNode.com. Oh, yeah, so I'm a little bit sick this week, but we're going to open up with our first sponsor uh, and get that uh, rolling. And this episode is brought to you thanks to Mutual Mobile. Mutual Mobile is passionate about iOS as a platform. It has a large team solely dedicated to conceiving, delivering, and supporting mobile solutions for global brands. By hiring smart, talented people, Mutual Mobile can give their engineers the freedom to make technical decisions. At Mutual Mobile, you have the advantage of working alongside fantastic designers who are pushing the boundaries of iOS. One of the benefits of this dedicated team is that if you have a problem, chances are somebody already has the experience to fix that problem. Mutual Mobile also does consulting work for iOS. They strive to make it easier to develop on iOS with frameworks and CI. Not only are they a great company, but they stay in touch with the iOS community by attending meetups and hosting hackathons as well. Want to learn more about becoming a part of Mutual Mobile's team? Go to careers.mutualmobile.com 5 by 5 to learn more. Okay, so this week we are joined by Chris Blanchard of Flying Rutabaga Works. Um, you can find that at uh, com. And uh what we're looking at is uh some organic farming, right Chris That's right, so uh tell us a little bit about yourself
1: so i've uh, you know my my main entry into this uh into this whole tech world came via via doing while well, getting involved in organic farming and figuring out different ways that, that we could use uh, some of these systems to, to make things work better on the farm. I've been uh, running Rock Spring Farm while well, owning and operating Rock Spring Farm here in Northeast Iowa since 1999. We have about 20 acres of organic vegetables and fresh herbs right now. Uh, so we produce a lot of, we pack herbs year round. Uh, we do a lot of root crops here that are all, and all of that product is getting sold up in the twin cities, uh, through the, through the natural food stores up there. Um, and then we do uh, we do some sales here in northeast Iowa. We used to do have a CSA program. We used to have a farmer's market. We let both of those go primarily due to quality of life reasons but also found that, that we were actually making a better margin when we calculated all of our expenses on going wholesale and taking the lower prices there than we were uh, going retail. I spent about 13 years co-directing the Moses Organic Farming Conference, which is the largest organic farming conference in the world. It happens uh, right in my backyard over in La Crosse, Wisconsin we usually have, last year had about 3,000 attendees at that show. Um, And then over the last few years have have kind of, uh, I guess, edged accidentally into the education and consulting marketplace, just as I've, uh, you know, with, with primarily with and for organic farmers and and local producers, Uh, I was getting requests to do talks at various conferences, uh, writing the occasional article, and, and eventually having people coming to me and asking for more advice than what what uh what i would normally share you know people wanting some very direct and focused attention and so i decided to hang out a shingle and and wanted to have something that was a little bit fun uh and a little bit vegetable oriented so we went with the flying rutabaga and uh and and that's kind of that's really taken off these last few years we've uh, put out a book fearless farm finances with a with a couple of other authors uh that goes over how to understand uh Accounting principles in general, but also farm finances, and then uh, and systems for making that that all work. And I'm now working a lot with farmers on on systems throughout their business to to keep things operating smoothly on the on the farm.
0: So a lot of your consulting work that you're doing now is, I should say, not a lot, but all of your consulting work is within the organic farming industry.
1: It is, yeah. That's by that's by happenstance, not by design. But I mean, that's where that's where I know the particular. Challenges that the clients are facing.
0: Sure, um, and those challenges are a little bit different from your average productivity uh, consultant in an office environment. What kind of uh, what kind of challenges do you face with that?
1: Uh, I think it really comes down to sweat and mud. Um, <laughs> a lot of it. Um, you know, for most most farmers don't spend a whole lot of time behind the desk. They're they're out in the field. They're they're crawling on the ground underneath machinery. They're bent over double, uh, picking up beets. Uh, you know, they're they're working in a packing house and and getting wet from head to toe. Uh, so, you know, when we start to look at at solutions, uh, technology solutions uh, for for productivity, a lot of times the you know things like. Uh, well, I mean, I got my start with PDAs, but you know, things like smartphones and and uh, and tablet computers and things like that tend to to not work so well. You know, laptops uh, need to be placed in a dry environment. They don't do so well when there's uh, when you've got a pressure washer going, getting getting dirt off of the carrots. So we've had to we've had to look at a lot more. Um, I think what I think of as being analog solutions. But even there, you've got the challenges with uh, you know paper and pen, and uh, you know you get a you get a bunch of stuff wet, and uh, paper and pen starts working not so well.
0: Sure. So what does work well?
1: Well, you know what, I, what I've actually gone to for my my primary uh, tools uh, out in the field right now are note cards and, uh, and a Fisher Space Pen, uh, which doesn't bleed when it gets wet. You're supposed to be able to write through butter with it, but I haven't tried that. But it does work pretty well through grease and oil uh, when you get those on the cards. And I have put my note cards through a... Uh, through the washer before they come out just fine you can still read everything so it's a thick enough it's a thick enough media that it it can survive the the tortures and i use a I use the um i'm gonna lose the i'm gonna miss the the name of it here it's a um uh, the hipster pda model so sure. it's a binder clip a colored note card on the front and another colored note card on the back and uh and a bunch of note cards in the middle i recently upgraded by writing front on the front cover <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then the Fisher Space Pen. The other thing is that it's kind of bulky enough and heavy enough that it tends to it binds up in my shirt pocket. Now, I always wear a I wear a long sleeve shirt with a with 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 pockets on the front. That's my standard uniform wherever I am, uh, primarily so that I've got a place to carry that notepad and and I use that to capture information. Well, oh, so the the, the that pocket then I keep the note cards in there, and because they're a little bit heavier and a little bit bulkier than say like a three by five. A, a three by five memo pad with the spiral on the top, they don't tend to slide out even when I am uh, bent over double picking stuff up out in the field. And um, the, um, the you know—the idea is that, that whenever, whenever I notice something that needs to be done, I'm taking out that note card and making a very quick note about it. It doesn't, you know, I don't, I'm not writing an essay that says I need to move the, the wagon that I left sitting out with the beats on top of it that I need to get that moved back to where back to its parking place and I need to inflate the tire, I might just write move wagon tire. And then that's that my pack of note cards at the end of the day is getting emptied into my inbox in the office. And then I follow a pretty strict GTD methodology on a daily basis. Trying to get through that through that inbox and then making notes about what needs to be done and then allocating the the work appropriately
0: so from um, From a capture perspective, you said you used PDAs for a while. Um, do you find the note cards to be more or less convenient than a like full electronic system?
1: I actually find it to be more convenient uh, It keeps me from being distracted. Um, and it's just so much, it's so much faster. I'm not waiting for something to start up. I'm not try- I don't have to open an app to find a program to make the notes in. I don't have to mess with the keyboard. And especially if my hands are greasy or dirty, uh, or if my fingers are cold and wet, I don't have to worry about um, I don't have to worry about trying to make make my my digits interface with whatever with whatever input mechanism there is. And I don't have to worry about getting things dirty or muddy. I mean, it's a note card, right? If I get it muddy you know, I eventually once every couple of months, I throw out my cover and replace it with two more colored note cards. Sure. Real, real high tech solution there. But it, it really does. uh, It's, it's freed me up. There's never a situation in which I won't take out my notepad and write something down, you know, whereas if I was, if I was operating a piece of machinery, I'm a lot less likely to take out something like a PDA or, or my smartphone. And again, open up that app, try to type something in while I'm, while I'm trying to to drive that piece of machinery down the road,
0: sure. As far as mobile capture goes, I I never have greasy hands. I'm rarely in the mud, but I still find uh, scrawling on a piece of paper or a note card to be just way simpler, way lower uh, entry barrier than pulling out a phone and popping up an app and typing on a glass screen. I uh, I'm I'm with you. I I can see that being uh, a very generally practical, even outside of the farming industry, kind of uh, perspective for that?
1: The other thing that it does for me is it gives me the freedom not to feel like I'm having the final word on it. What I found is that when I was putting in things into an electronic system, I was having to think about, think the solution all the way through while I was noticing the issue that I wanted to deal with, you know. So, so really now I've got the freedom to, to make a note about, about an issue or a problem that I want to address It goes into my notepad. That ends up in my inbox. And then when I'm alone at my desk, when things are quiet, I don't have a bunch of employees around. There's not a bunch of loud machinery. I'm stopping and I can think, okay, what do I want to do about that? How am I going to solve that problem? And usually the answers are a lot clearer. What are the steps that I need to take? Who do I need to delegate this task to? And it gives me the ability not to feel like I have to come up with answers in the moment. I can come up with answers and do my thinking when I'm When I'm thinking, rather than when I'm doing.
0: Sure. So, um, so when you consult, what kinds of problems are you solving?
1: (laughs) You know, I I always like to say that that farmers are we deal with a lot of the same things that everybody else deals with. You know, there's there's work to do. There's employees who are operating at various levels of capability. There are uh, there are customers, uh, some of whom are, are. Wonderful and responsive, and and some of whom are just a a thorn in your side. Um, There's vendors, there's bookkeeping, Um, so it it, I really am am working on all levels. I've done a lot of work lately on on personnel issues. You know how to particularly this one of how to describe what needs to be done with the appropriate focus on the outcomes. You know it's it's one thing to tell somebody to go out and, and till a field or get that field ready to plant carrots. But it's another thing to actually communicate with them. I, I expect you to use this tool, and I expect you to get these results out of it. And that's really important anytime you're delegating to be really clear about what are the results? What does success look like? And not just what does the soil need to look like when you're done, but how much time should it take? Exactly what field are you going to be in, and, and how do you know what field to be in? Um, and and you know and then also what you know what equipment is available to use to do that and then getting those records back into your system is another important piece you know this this record keeping uh making sure that you understand how much time it took what got done when uh and verifying the various the various pieces that go into compliance with organic regulations and food safety regulations so it's I, I think that's. I mean, right there, that's kind of the crux. How do you how do you communicate with with other people in your organization about things that need to be done, and then um, and then get the right feedback from them so that you've got the information that you need to capture about what got done. So
0: a lot of the things you just said are very uh, David Allen GTD oriented. Is this uh, is this truly um, an example of of GTD applied to uh probably an area that David Allen didn't really uh consider
1: I think so I mean I I have been the the getting things done when I when I first opened that book uh was a was a revelation to me and has really informed a lot of 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 my consulting work in our in the organic farming world you know we 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 tend to be a bunch of leftists and anti-business types and back to the land types, and there's a lot of skepticism applied to standard business concepts. Whether we're talking about uh, bookkeeping or even the notion of profit, sometimes uh, you run into brick walls when you when you open your mouth and, and say words that sound any like they have anything to do with with capitalism or big business. And and what I've I've worked to do is to kind of back some of these concepts into the sustainable agriculture community because that's a lot of what David Allen's talking about is how to be sustainable in your business you know when we talk about productivity it's really about how to get done what you need to get done without creating a whole bunch of stress in the rest of your life and farmers are under a tremendous amount of stress already because we're we're out in the environment uh, and we're we're subject to a lot of whims and you know you can have I mean, a hailstorm can wipe out your entire years work just like that um, and most farmers are already operating at hundred and ten percent of capacity so we're we're looking for ways to to take off some of the stress and to, to let them have time when their brain doesn't have to be going over what needs to be done the following day and you know be able to have systems to capture that so that they're not always operating under that that incredible load
0: so there's no uh, there's no cloud backup for for crops, huh?
1: No, no. We're working on that. Uh, I think Monsanto <laughs> probably has some sort of a project in, in that area. But.
0: A clone drive of your crop? I there don't think know. I think that would lose the organic aspect.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it would. Yeah, probably probably outside of my particular sector. But.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I want to come back to the record keeping that you were talking about. All right. All right, our, our next sponsor is Squarespace.com, everything you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace is a fully hosted, completely managed environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful website, blog, or portfolio. This means that no matter how experienced you are with building websites, you can build something amazing in minutes without having to worry about hosting, scaling, or integration with social services like Twitter and Facebook. And the great news is the new Squarespace has arrived. The templates available in the new Squarespace are out of this world. They're beautiful, they're clean, and they let your content do all the talking. You can check them out at new.squarespace.com templates. Everything in this platform is drag and drop, like your favorite operating system, which makes it easier and more fun to use. Even the structure is great, with perfectly clean code, great SEO, even image versioning. Everything is integrated, design, domains, hosting, and support and Layout Engine is Squarespace's page builder. It allows you to create custom layouts for each of your pages in seconds. You add blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content and more. You don't have to worry about what your site will look like on a mobile device. When you add images or design pages with the new Squarespace, your entire site will restructure automatically to fit on any device and maintain the beauty of the site's design. If you like stats, you'll love the real-time analytics that are built into Squarespace. There are even iOS and Android apps that let let you manage and post on the go. You can also import your content from your current blog and easily set up sharing and syncing with your social media accounts. As always, Squarespace delivers award-winning 24-7 customer support that responds in minutes. They also have live online workshops to walk you step-by-step through everything you need to know to build an amazing site. When you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you get a free custom domain name. Squarespace is $10 a month for the standard plan and $20 a month for the unlimited plan. If you sign up for a year, you automatically get 20% off, and if you sign up for two years, you get 25% off. If you want to pay month to month, you can easily link your custom domain with just a few clicks. There's no credit card required to try it out. Simply go to squarespace.com slash 5x5 and start your trial. If you decide to purchase, click enter an offer code below the pricing at checkout and enter the code turkey for an additional 10% off. Check them out. Okay, so Chris, you had mentioned that uh you you have new uh or you've created systems for improving record keeping in an environment where record keeping isn't uh isn't ideal, uh, isn't, uh, it's not smiled upon by the people who need to do it. Um, yeah, you know,
1: yeah it's ahead. always met with a little bit of resistance.
0: What, uh, what kinds of records are we talking about?
1: So the, the big things that we've got in, in my world, which is organic vegetables, You know, we like to say that, that what you do out in the field makes you an organic farmer, but it's what you do with your paperwork and your record keeping that makes you a certified organic farmer. And to market your produce as organic, if you grow more than $5,000 worth of produce a year, you have, to, you have to be certified organic, which means you've got an auditor coming in, looking over your records and verifying that you're, that you're following the, the law with regards to, to organic food production. We have the same thing in the food safety side of things. There aren't a lot of – there's not a lot of regulation per se with food safety laws and whatnot yet. We're seeing this is going to be coming down the pike in the next year or so. But there's – a with the Food Safety Modernization Act. But but we currently have is a, a voluntary system called GAPS. It's the general agri- – or it's the good agricultural practices. And these describe the various steps that you can take as a farmer to – Uh, avoid microbiological contamination, in other words, keeping the salmonella and the E. coli out of your food. And what you end up having to, again, it's a lot of this is common sense, but you end up needing to document what you're doing because you only have an inspector there once or twice a year, but they want to see that you've got records that demonstrate that you're following the procedures that help to ensure a safe food supply. So a a lot of the records that we've seen proposed for 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 both of these come in the form of these logs right you know you you need to check the cooler temperature so you fill out a log you put you put some sanitizer in your wash water um, so you you fill out a log for that every time you do it um you you go out and cultivate and you fill out you know which is which is what we call the process of killing weeds with the tractor, and you, you need to you, you fill that out on a cultivation log. And what we we've, what we've found is that we were constantly having employees drawing and trying to find the right piece of paper and the right, you know, where do I, where do I write this information down? And it was, it was something that was existing outside of their workflow. So you'd tell somebody to go do something out in the field. They do that activity out in the field and then they would come back and they'd say, um, OK, now where am I supposed to write that down? Or or us, me as a farm manager, would be like, OK, now which which piece of paperwork am I supposed to put this on? And and in addition, we also found that we we weren't communicating well with our employees about about exactly what needed to be done and where to go. So this goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment, Brett, is that, um, you know, we, we were we need to describe what success looks like. What the activity is and where to do it, we found that in the process of doing that, that if we if we constructed our records appropriately, we could not only tell people what to do and where to do it and how much time it should take, but that they could also write down that information while they were performing the work, and then bring back that one piece of paper that then becomes the the record that, that goes forward. Um, and, and and an example of that. Um, we We call these field directives that we send people out to the field with that say, you know go go to this field in these crops, do this hand weeding job this is what you know and then you say hand weeding and you know hand weeding is a lot different when you've got weeds that are one inch tall and a crop that's one inch tall versus going and and uh, if something's gotten out of control and you're rescuing the crop it's an entirely different process. We say, well what does success look like how should things look when you're done and then bring this back to me and tell me how long it took and who was working on the project and then that goes into the file another place we use this is on a is with these various logs on um, you know, one of the one of the standard food safety things is to keep your product at the at the right temperature. You know, the, the colder things are, the, the less rapidly they decay, but also the less rapidly microorganisms can grow. So we keep a cooler log, and the, the standard way to keep a cooler log is that you hang a clipboard outside the cooler, and once a day somebody remembers to go to the cooler log and write down the temperature and the time that they checked it. And we realized that really we needed to have that happen the first thing in the day, so one, so it was out of the way, but also so that if we were having a problem, we caught it early in the day and rather than late in the day so we could get the cooler repair man there by the end of the day rather than the next day. Um, and then we realized there were a bunch of other things that need to happen when we were opening the farm for the day or opening up the packing house. So we created a list of things that people needed to do and a place to note that they were done and to capture any data about them. So it became the opening checklist. So rather than having one log with this long row of, of temperature figures, because it really doesn't matter what the thermos, what the temperature was two days ago, what matters is that you're checking it making sure that it's the temperature that it needs to be today. Uh, we had, a, we had a sheet then that was, was catching any problems and, and was recording the fact that we had done this and had made a record of the temperature. And then that would go into a file. And then we realized we didn't even really need a clipboard because one person walking around with a clipboard is one person. But oftentimes we've got six people starting a shift. So instead we put all of this on a whiteboard. And we started keeping a lot of our data about about the, the, the repeating everyday tasks that go on on the farm are managed on this whiteboard. So people write down the temperature and the time that they checked it. They check on the greenhouse and make a check mark that says, yes, the, greenhouse is, is, the heaters are running correctly in the greenhouse. Um, yes, we took care of the watering in the greenhouse today. So it put a lot of those things on automatic. And then at the end of the day, we just take a digital photo of the of the whiteboard and then once a week we download those digital photos into our into the computer and then that's all backed up so we've got a permanent digital record and it's actually then got the date encoded right into the file of the of what was happening on the farm on a given day and the fact that we did do all of the things that we're supposed to do on a daily basis
0: do you ever have to go back and reference those uh those photos
1: you know we've we do when we have our audits And Mm -hmm. it's it's really quite easy. Um, We have one time we had to go back and find it, and we were able to just again you you put your Picasso up, and you just click through the different photos and go, okay, you know this one was taken on this day, this one was taken the day before, so you can go back and figure out what happened on September seventeenth fairly quickly and easily. Sure. And if you need to find, maybe you don't know that you need to find September seventeenth, but you know that you needed to find, uh, you know, what day did we? Did we harvest the garlic? We can go back and find that fairly quickly and easily too just by flipping through the pictures and looking at the daily task list that's on the board. And just it's a matter of clicking. Now, we don't put a lot of time into organizing. But then again, we don't often need to go back and find a particular data point. Sure. So, so when, when we do need to do that, the amount of effort that it takes to find that data point is commensurate with the amount of effort that we put into it at the front end.
0: Have you ever played with uh with Evernote's optical character recognition? Like no. the handwriting recognition?
1: You know, I tried using Evernote after it first came out and I think I was using I had a I had a droid at that point and and I just it was so slow and clunky. I gave up on it.
0: I I do find it slow and clunky, but uh but for this purpose it it seems like uh the handwriting recognition would give you like a fully searchable and like you said, there's not that many data points that you would search on beyond date um but that would be that would be kind of cool
1: well, and especially if it you know if it if the amount of effort is low to get into it because that's what I want i want I don't want to put a whole bunch of effort into something at the front end if I'm not going to use it at the back end right you know um so so if it's if it's easy to put it into evernote, then what we do need to search it's just makes it that much easier to find it at the end then that's easy but for example i wouldn't want to sit there and tag each each day's work with with the you know that's an example of something like you're putting in too much work at the front end because the number of times that you actually need to go back and find that information at the at the other end of the process are so few and far between that putting a bunch of organizational effort at the front end doesn't make sense
0: totally uh like the way I see it, and I don't mean to be a consultant for the consultant, but, like, if you had an iPhone with Evernote or an Android with Evernote on it, when you snap the picture of the board with that uh, device... Yeah. It would, you know, it would store it by date automatically. It would run the, the handwriting recognition, and you'd be done. Uh, you'd be able to search by anything that was written on that board or by date. And, I don't know, it seems like you, you're making my brain... Uh, consider possibilities
1: so brett i actually right now have my notebook taken out of my pocket and i'm using my space pen to write down (laughs) evernote and i will remember to check on that later yeah
0: i think it would be ideal for that situation uh by the way i i use the uh space pen for everything I have mine out right now as well.
1: You know, the, the funny thing about the space pen, I used to I used to carry other ballpoints. Now the first thing is when you wash a ballpoint a standard ballpoint pen, it ruins everything in the whole load of laundry.
0: Yeah, you're not supposed um, to do that.
1: And that's that's bad. Um, <laughs> and, and but then the other thing is I was always losing my pens. I'd give them away, I'd give it to somebody else to use or it would just it would fall out of my pocket. I got the Fisher space pen. I mean, I was probably going through a pen a week. And I got the Fisher space pen, you know, it cost a they're not cheap. What are they? Like twenty five dollars. And and so I, I got it. I've been using the same one for almost two years now. And mm-hmm. never managed to misplace it. So it's actually by spending a little bit more money on the tool, I think I ended up with something that I'm a lot more likely to to take care of and keep track of. And it's you know, the first couple of times that you find yourself without a pen, you know, if, there are a few of those instances when it could be worth having a twenty five dollar pen. Yeah. Depending well, on to the problem that you didn't write down because you didn't have the pen
0: right on i uh i'm so it's so ingrained in me that i will eventually lose my favorite things that every year about every year i i get myself a new fisher space pen uh okay. just as a backup and at this point i have three of them three engraved fisher space pens because i don't lose them because they have that added value <laughs>
1: So now you need a system to stop getting Space every year until your inventory goes
0: down. I think this year I'll probably, uh, I'll, I'll probably pass on buying a new one because having two backups is, uh, that's ideal to me. Yeah. Uh, everything gets, uh, one redundant backup and I'm, I'm good. But, um, let's see. So I, I also took a note, um, under the record keeping section, we were talking about, about, uh, Bookkeeping. Does that fall into what we've already talked about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, again, I mentioned I'm a I'm a GTD follower, um, and so we get in our we get in our anything that has to do with bookkeeping, it goes right into my inbox. You know, so if it's a if it's a bill from another vendor or if it's a check from a from a customer. And then I file those things on a daily basis according to what needs to happen to them next. I do all I do all my own bookkeeping, and my bookkeeping all happens in QuickBooks. And in QuickBooks, there are different workflows that you follow for receiving a payment versus entering a credit card versus entering a check. So everything gets filed according to what needs to happen. And if it's a credit card, I actually have two credit card accounts, so it, I file it according to which, which credit card that receipt belongs to. And then when it's time to do the bookkeeping, I, I simply take out that pile of folders, and I'm doing – processing one credit card at a time and then I'll process all the checks and then I'll process another credit card and then I process all the payments just in the order that they're in there. The but then the really the so that's organization. I mean I spend a little bit more time organizing there because it really does pay off when I do the bookkeeping. It reduces errors and it's and it helps me to batch my work. Um but then when I'm done, when I've actually entered that data into into QuickBooks, I file those receipts and everything else rather than filing them by vendor or by account, which is pretty common bookkeeping practice. I put them all in one file for the month. So if that if it's a receipt that gets processed in November, it goes in my November file. Uh, and then at the end of the month, that file gets labeled November 2012, and it just goes in my archival files, and I start a new one for December. And the really nice thing about that is, again, I'm not putting any effort into the filing process. I never have a two-file pile that I have to go through, and I I never do filing. The filing just happens as part of the workflow, and I don't have to think about it at all. If I need to go out and get a receipt, which happens to me probably once a month, something will come up where I need to go find a piece of paper documentation, and I can open up my QuickBooks program, I can look in there and say, Okay, what date did that transaction happen, you know, so if I've got something from Advantage Label and I know that I need to check on that invoice, well what what date did I get that invoice, that's in in the QuickBooks, and then I can go and open up my financial files on that monthly basis and just go shuffle through them until I find the Advantage Label and packaging invoice. It takes less than five minutes, I've never spent more than five minutes finding a piece of paper, but it saves a ton of work on the on the organizational and the input side to not end up with this filing project to do
0: so i i guess it would be important to gauge or or uh, to throttle the amount of uh upfront organization time against the amount of time you actually need to access the information so Absolutely. i mean you could have a you could have a system where every receipt was filed in such a way that it would take you 1 second to find it But if you're only doing that once a month, then spending, you know, 10 minutes filing up front to save four seconds, it wouldn't even out. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: And it's that same idea that I was talking about with with organizing, for example, field records or cooler logs. You know, the, the number of times and the frequency with which we need to access a particular piece of information, it's so infrequent. That having very loose organization works because I can still find the the information. I know where it's going to be. Uh, you know, one place that I worked at um, way back in back in the nineteen nineties, they actually filed their receipts by account. But what would happen is sometimes you had a, a receipt, say from the hardware store or the farm supply store, that had that had three or four different uh, accounts. What what, uh, what what QuickBooks calls a split on it. So it had the the receipt maybe you were buying some fertilizer and you were buying some oil and you were buying some nuts and bolts for the shop. Well, where do you file that? That okay. creates this, this real question. With my system, I know where it's going to be. It's going to be in the November file. There's there's really no question. So um, I'm also I I've, I've limited the possible places that it might be so when i go looking for it i actually know that it's in the file so if i make a quick pass through the file and it's not there i can then make another slower pass and go okay i know it's in the november file let me slow down and look a little bit more carefully
0: sure yeah and removes the the friction that would be caused by trying to figure out which folder and yeah that's uh it makes a lot of sense all right, I'm gonna. Um, I want to go ahead and do sponsor three because I want to get to our picks of the week because I find yours um, very intriguing out of the uh, out of the normal scope that we uh, we've we've built over the last seventeen episodes. So um, I'll I'll talk to you about Lynda.com, um, an online learning company with more than seventy seven thousand video tutorials that teach software, creative, and business skills. You can learn anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Save and prioritize courses in your queue for whenever you're ready to watch, tracking your progress in each. You can learn on the go with their optimized mobile site or free iPhone and iPad app for members. They've got it all, from bite-sized tutorials to comprehensive courses in web design, programming design, photography, business, audio and video, 3D, and animation... And with new courses added every week, the training library keeps pace with today's fast-changing technical and software skills. Membership starts at $25 per month and provides unlimited 24-7 access to top-quality video courses taught by expert instructors with real-world experience. Try lynda.com free for 7 days by visiting lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash 5 by 5 All right, so for the picks of the week this week, I actually want to split and each of us do our three in a row because mine are, I picked them before talking to you, and they have nothing to do with our topics right now. So your three all relate, and they all relate to the topics, so I'd love to do those in a row. Um, So why don't you go ahead with your first pick of the
1: week? So my first pick of the week is... Now, I'm a Windows guy. It's Office 2010 uh, for Windows. And, you know, this was a, I'd, I'd worked for a long time, and I think it was Office 2003, and this one's been a real revelation for me. A lot of my clients, I'm passing documents back and forth, and and needing to explain to them, oftentimes, how to, how to really use Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel effectively. Um, I don't use Outlook, so this really relates to the kind of the, the word processing and the spreadsheet side of things. But I found that, that both of them, this particularly Word and Excel, really jumped up my, my productivity using those programs made it a lot easier for me to describe where to find certain suites of tools to my, to my clients. The other thing that I really love, and it's it's probably a little silly that that this gets so much attention from me, but is that when you go to the file tab in Microsoft in, in any of these Microsoft Office 2010 programs, there's actually a spot where you can click and select the entire path to the to the file, including the file name. So when I'm attaching a document, if I'm uploading something to my website or if I'm sending something to a to a client, I can quickly and easily Go to, the, go to the file tab, select the entire path, and then in my Gmail program I you know, click the upload and attachment spot and put in the whole file name and click upload and away it goes rather than having to, to try to navigate through the, the subset of folders to find the appropriate spot where I actually left that document.
0: See, I find this fascinating primarily because in my little tiny corner of the Internet, nobody has ever said anything nice about microsoft office it's always been a it's something they have to do you know for compatibility or for for working in a windows based office and it's really interesting to me to hear uh the the productivity benefits uh, cuz you you have to think that microsoft has put some thought into this and i think that uh in my, in my corner everyone uh there's just um you're You're supposed to not like Microsoft and, well, and, I, and Office. I usually
1: don't i mean i't I can't, I can't stand Outlook. <laughs> it drives me absolutely crazy when I have to interface with that but the but but really, I feel like the improvements that they made with with Word and Excel, probably not so much for a power user, but for somebody who's a who's a a so-so user, that the the organization of the ribbon, once you take time to learn how it's put together. Um, is really, is really fantastic. It does make it easier to find what you need to find. Um, I, at least I've found, and it's been certainly been that case for my, for my clients.
0: Can't argue with that. So your second pick, and I will, I'll preface this by saying, uh, this one I can totally get on board with, and we have mentioned it before, but you have a take on it that I think makes it worth mentioning again. Plus they've improved it. I'll let you talk about it.
1: So it's it's mindmeister.com. Uh, I was for a long time uh, a mind manager user. So the the uh, what's that Mindjet jet uh, puts out. And, and I just had that for my Windows system that was housed on my desktop. And a friend introduced me to mindmeister. And I immediately fell in love with it for the simplicity of it, the ease with which I can get into a map um, I, mean, I like having stuff out in the cloud, although I'm usually working on my own computer, so that's not such a big deal. But it's, it's so much faster for me with MindMeister to get in and make a new map than it was with the MindManager program. It's almost as fast as doing it with paper and pen, and I just and I just love that aspect of it. In addition, being able to share the location of a file with another user. Has so many benefits for me. Being able to say to a client, you know, these are all of the things that I'm thinking about that relate to this topic. What do you think? Uh, it has been has been tremendously valuable.
0: Uh, what kind of response do you get from people that may never have seen a mind map before?
1: They're usually a little weirded out by it, but a lot of the people that I work with are. Are what I like to call networked thinkers. They're non-linear thinkers, right. and and that mind map works so well for capturing information. They usually look at it and go, "Oh my God, where has this been all my life?"
0: Yeah, that's the reaction I, I get frequently. Is people just suddenly suddenly they're visualizing something that normally would have been given to them in like spreadsheet or outline format, and they're looking at it and yeah, and people, uh, most people do relate uh to the the organization structure of a mind map you
1: know and it's and i think it the the world happens in a linear fashion i mean when you want to get something done or when you want to write something out you have to put this before that but it's not the way we think we tend to think by making a bunch of of random, relatively random connections between things. So being able to, to capture that with the mind map, I find that, that it actually sparks creativity in people. They begin to see connections that they didn't see otherwise, and they feel a freedom about getting things written down. that otherwise, I, I find that a lot of creative types, and a lot of the, my organic farming clients are, are creative types, um, they have a hard time committing things to paper. Because they don't want to get locked in to how something's organized, and they don't want to say this, then that, then that. Um, So getting into that very linear mode of, of saying, you know, A, thus B, thus C, is difficult for them. So if I can get them to just put A, B, and C out on a piece of paper or out on a computer screen in a way where they don't feel like it's organized then that gives them the freedom to put the idea out there, and then we can organize it from there so that it can happen effectively out in the real world.
0: Yep, and these are all the things that I love about mind mapping. And I understand there are some people that do think in a more linear fashion. Um, I, there are people that maybe this uh, just looks too disorganized to, but yep. yeah, I find it for the same reasons. And have you ever used the live collaboration features of MindMeister? I haven't. Oh, uh, you should totally. Even just for fun, find someone else who who has an account and and just share a mind map. It's a blast.
1: You know that is the one thing I've got the I've got the basic plan. I didn't sign up for the pro plan. Not you know not being able to send somebody a simple you know, the, a simple link from outside. I think with the with the basic plan, you actually have to get a you have to have an account to be able to access the, the right. link. Uh, that's a little less than ideal, but. Most people now are used to the idea that you've got to sign up for accounts. Right. You know, five years ago that was a lot more difficult.
0: Definitely. Um, I have another question. Have you seen the new presentation feature?
1: I have, but I haven't used it.
0: Oh, totally. Just it, it takes seconds. You just like turn it on and then start picking slides, like groups okay. of groups of nodes, and it creates an animated like pan and zoom or fade in, fade out between like parts of your map so that you can present them in a linear fashion and, and at the same time show the more random connections between them. It's pretty awesome. I'm really impressed with it.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll have to play with that. I do, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, I do a lot of speaking. So something like that could be really valuable.
0: It it definitely could. I, uh, I would gladly use it for a presentation. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm full of stuff. Um full of something. Um so okay, your last pick is one I've never heard of. So let's talk about that.
1: So my last pick is Canban Flow, which is at com. So that's K-A-N-B-A-N. And a and a Canban, and I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna butcher this this description and disgust some of your listeners, but um it's a it's a it's a lean manufacturing technique of managing work in progress and the idea behind behind the Kanban is that you've this is where I'm going to butcher it but it's basically you know you'd have a whiteboard you would have different columns on the whiteboard so you might have one for things that are your to do items one for in progress and one for done and the idea is that you want to limit the amount of work in progress, but that you also want to visually represent the fact that you've been getting things done and the, and the, and the work that you have to do. So you'd, you'd write down the work to do on a post-it note, stick the post-it note in the appropriate column. So, uh, and 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 as you as it as it's something that that goes from being on the to-do list to something that's being that is now work in progress, you'd put it in the work in progress column. Something that you're doing, and then when it's done. You move it to the done column, and you've got a, a visual representation of the fact that you did actually finish something. I use Toodle Do as a list manager, and so when I knock something off on Toodle Do, it just it disappears from the list. I never never really see it again. Never really have time to to pat myself on the back for my my accomplishments getting something done. And the Kanban lets me see that that things are getting done. Now I spend a fair amount of time on the road, so analog solutions aren't that great for me. So Kanban flow basically creates a, a digital process. So you've got post-it notes that you can put on the screen. You can create any number of columns that you want, and then it's a, it's a drag-and-drop process to move the post-it notes from one column to the other. And the post notes can include things like how long you think the job is going to take and what are the various subtasks involved. And you put notes on it. and You can actually assign tasks to different people on there as well. So you can say, you know, this is, this is Chris's job. Um, this is Angie's job to do, um, and because you can create multiple columns, then you can you can actually you can help it can help clients particularly to be able to prioritize things. I do some fa- FileMaker design work, and I've I've been doing a big project for the uh, for the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. The main programmer has now moved on, and I'm I'm doing some of the finished work and some of the ongoing development maintenance there, and a lot of times. The, the things that we're getting done aren't aren't in the view of the person on the on on the on the client side. They're really happening for specific employees in the organization. So they don't necessarily the, the person who's in charge of the pro- the project over there doesn't always see that things are happening. So uh having this having the ability to move things along and visually represent, yeah, these things are in the to do column. These are the things that I'm working on now. These are the things that we have indeed gotten done, even though you might not have noticed, is really valuable. Um, and it also gives me a good visual sense of what I'm doing, uh, what needs to be done, and, and where my priorities are. One of the really useful things that I found in this program is we created a column called On Deck. So I've got a, I got my big to-do list, but then I've got the stuff that is really the next in line. And when I sit down with my, my cohort in the Moses office, um. She and I talk about, well, what needs to go? We've got this big list of things in the to-do item, in the to-do column, but what needs to be on deck? What's the next thing that's going to get pulled into the in-progress column? And it's valuable because it's not always, you know, again, you can't always go through things in a linear fashion. You know, sometimes I'm... Sometimes I'm really high and creative and, and I've got a good eight hours to devote to something and I can, I can grab a big project. Sometimes it's that I've got a half an hour and I need to knock something out. So I can look at that on deck column and see like, oh, yeah, this is a big project or this is a small project, not just this is the next thing in line that I have to do. And then I can, I can move that on forward.
0: So have you ever worked with Gantt charts?
1: I haven't. I you okay. know I've never actually found a I mean I've I've thought about it I certainly understand the principle and the value that it's got I haven't been able to find something that was cheap enough that gave me the functionality that I wanted and that I could share with clients um, but certainly with that dependencies idea in the Gantt chart I think is is something that's that's huge that I just haven't found a good way to capture.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of the information that would be beneficial in a Gantt chart that Kanban Flow is capturing. I just wondered if it had any, uh, any ways of visualizing the lists other than like a column of post-it notes, kind of.
1: It doesn't. And it's one of the things that I both love and that I think is a little bit of a downfall with Kanban flow. Kanban flow is free and it's simple. The user, the, the user interface is, is intuitive and you don't need to know anything to make it work. You just, you can pretty much get in and start going after watching a two minute tutorial. Um, I looked at some other Kanban programs that, that actually did go into having dependencies and they have this other concept called swim lanes and, and it took so much work to set up a task that it wasn't just this, it wasn't a quick and easy process and it wasn't intuitive to the other people that were using it. The thing I really like about Kanban Flow is it's stripped down, it's fairly minimal and it's easy to see what's going on. The downfall is you can't export it into Excel.
0: Sure. Yeah, the export features are always a big deal to me, but that does sound uh like the low cost of entry, uh the like the low effort it required to get in would be huge in a group situation.
1: Yeah, really important and especially, I think I mentioned earlier, a lot of my a lot of the organic farmers and even the nonprofit organizations that I work with aren't they're not particularly tech savvy. And I mean, I in my in the circles i run in i'm a pretty tech savvy guy i know from when i get out of my circles that i'm not particularly tech savvy um but i'm for the organic farming world i'm pretty darn tech savvy (laughs) so i have to have things that 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 are that do have that low barrier to entry from a knowledge standpoint and for me also i find that tools that tools that are easier to use the simpler a tool is the more likely i am to interface with it sure and and I want, you know, any tool that I've got that I've got in my in my uh, in my toolboxes, I want it to be something that's easy to take out and and use. Uh, that's why I've got it. And Absolutely. am so sure I'm using it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely have the same experiences, um, except for the not being as nerdy part. I think I think I'm possibly one of the nerdiest people I know. But I'm used to that. I'm okay you have with a tech it.
1: blog, Brett. You've got to be one of the nerdiest people you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was just indexed in uh, the new Nerd Query service that Gabe Weatherhead put together. I'm very honored to be one of, I think, maybe eight people that whose blogs are indexed as part of the official Nerd Query. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go ahead and I'll do my three, and I'll do them relatively quickly. Um, and I feel a little weird because i don't I don't know that you'll be able to use any of them. Do you have a, a smartphone?
1: I do actually
0: what do you have yeah.
1: I've got an iPhone. Oh. I used Android for a while. now I've switched over to the iPhone.
0: Okay, perfect. We can relate now. Um, the first one is an iPhone app. It's called pro h d r It's also available on iPad. but uh have you ever used the h d r. mode on the iPhone camera? No. It's, uh, it takes two exposures uh, simultaneously, almost um, a lighter and a darker exposure that you can then blend to get a full range of exposure uh, data in your image. But I find it almost, uh, it's too much trouble to use and not terribly effective. So this new app called Pro HDR lets you, you can put it into a manual mode where you get two squares on the screen and you just put one square in the brightest part of the picture, and one square on the darkest part of the picture. You just drag them into place, and then you hit the button, and you have to hold the camera still for three or four seconds. And then what you get is instantly composited, and you can adjust your uh, brightness and contrast and hue and everything uh, right away, and then you can save it to your camera roll, and you come out with pictures. Like, my test picture was of an open window... uh, Not an open window, but uh, an unobstructed window with the sun outside of it, so... Normally, if you pointed a camera at that, you could either see w- the trees outside or you could see a bright white spot and still be able to see the rest of the room. Um, mm-hmm. So I tested with that, and I got a picture that showed every detail of the inside of my, my room with the lights off and the detail of the trees outside the window. And that, to me, was like the ultimate test, and I was sold.
1: Wow. That sounds great. And it's actually something that, that I would use out. You know, we take pictures out in the field. Uh, as you can imagine, particularly if I'm trying to document something that a piece of machinery is using, you can end up with really harsh shadows. Oh, sure. And it's not a, it's not a, po- most of my shots aren't pose settings. So being able to, you know, being able to, to have something that balances out, balance all that out can be really valuable. Yeah,
0: definitely check it out. It's, uh, it's impressive and really easy to use. Okay, so my second one then is related. Um, I found it when I tweeted about Pro HDR. Uh, someone tweeted back about one called Cortex Camera, and what it does is basically in the latest version, it uses a, a rapid series of photos, and it takes a it takes a little bit. I would say two to three seconds to create a photo, but uh, but it composites all of these photos all at once. And reduces the amount of noise in low light areas of the photo. And adds, like, uh, you come out with like 12.5 megapixel pictures. And you can zoom them super far in and not see any noise in the dark areas and the shadows. And uh, and the sharpness that if you're, if your camera is held steady enough during the exposure, the sharpness and the detail is outstanding. Something you'll never ever get with the built-in camera app. So those two together have improved my uh, camera arsenal uh, immensely.
1: Great. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a great app.
0: Yes. And I forgot to write down the prices, but neither of them was terribly expensive. Uh, both under $3, if I recall, but I'll put prices in the show notes. Um, then the last one is an app called BTT Remote And uh, it is a companion app to one of my all-time favorite Macintosh apps, which is, I shouldn't say Macintosh, it's not Macintosh anymore, I'm so old, Uh, one of my all-time favorite Mac apps, uh, Better Touch Tool, which lets me turn my magic trackpad into, uh, like, a huge arsenal of multi-touch gestures, like, you know, tapping three fingers at the top opens dashboard, and Uh, Tapping, uh, putting my first and ring finger down and then tapping my middle finger between them mutes my audio. And you can configure just about any combination of taps and swipes to do anything. So what uh, BTT Remote does is give you an iPhone companion app that you can then trigger from the same setup panel on your computer. And Better Touch Tool is free. So you pay, I think, a couple bucks for the remote app and you can add triggers from your iPhone. Like I have one for launching iTunes so that when I'm at my Apple TV and I want to watch a movie that's only on my computer, I can launch iTunes on my computer in the basement. Um, and then one for quitting Addium and etc. And then it also can, uh, can give you the menu bar of whatever the current running app is. So any menu item that you want to access from your phone in, a, in the foreground application Every option is accessible and you can flip between your running apps. There's a file browser. And if you drag from the right side of the screen to the left, you get a a virtual trackpad. So you can use your iPhone as your trackpad and trigger all your better touch tool gestures from there. So that is awesome. Um, Andreas Hagenberg has done an amazing job again with making useful utilities. And you probably can't put that to use much, Chris, because you're a PC guy. But um, yeah, you yeah, can, boy. You, but
1: it's I, I'm jealous occasionally of, of of you Macintosh people because uh, you guys do have some cool things, out
0: and there. rightly so. I uh, I I could never switch back to PC, and that's not a judgment about any PC user or you. I just I have fallen in love with the amount of flexibility I have on my Mac.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely you know that, and that's the that's the big thing that I look at that I wish that I, um, I mean, to me it feels like like something that would be worth having with the Macintosh is that that degree of customizability.
0: And the weird thing about it, and I won't go too far into depth on this, is that from a, a new user standpoint, from someone who's just looking at it from the outside, they feel like it's not as customizable. Uh, because of all the hacks they can do in, in like BSD Linux and in Windows. Um, But it, it, it's controlled customization that you can't, you can't make it horribly ugly like you can with some other operating systems. And the, the, the fact is that all the really cool stuff is kind of under the surface. And a lot of people that don't like Mac, a lot of people that pan the operating system, um, they don't, they never get a chance to see what you can do with a little bit of digging. But anyway, I have to do uh, our final sponsor spot, and then we will offer some contact info, and uh, and and then we'll be done. It, I'm sad this is over. This is fun. Um, but sponsor four is Hover.com Simplified Domain Management. You've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in when all you want is a simple .com, .net, or maybe a .co or .tv. Hover makes it easy. Just enter the domain name you're interested in into their search box, and Hover will tell you if it's available. If not, it'll come up with some suggestions. You can also just type in a few keywords, and Hover will figure out some available domains using those terms for you, like an advanced cyborg assistant. They have real human beings available for support, and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. They have a no-hold policy. Somebody just answers the phone. Seamless transfers from other providers, elegant DNS management, email hosting, and more. And even though I'm not Dan, if you use the code DANSENTME or visit uh, hover.com slash dansentme, you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from hover.com. And... Uh, to wrap up, uh, Chris, your, your, your full name is Chris Blanchard and you can be found at flying and, right. and you are, you're one of those rare special, uh, specimens that does not have a Twitter account.
1: I, I can, can you take a moment and explain the whole hashtag thing to me?
0: Hashtags are, it's, it's, it was something invented by Twitter users early on where you just put a a pound sign and then a word. And if everyone uses the same word, when you, when you search for that hashtag, you'll get everyone's, um, everyone's tweets that are related to that topic. So they're like, they're like setting a topic or a category on a tweet. Okay and okay. uh and like tv shows they'll use them they'll be like tweet with this hashtag and then they can count all the number of tweets that happened on that subject
1: okay okay so that might be my last barrier i might i might <laughs> go into the the what, what do you guys call it the twitter verse
0: <laughs> you can call it that if you want to <laughs> i i call it twitter okay i'm uh i i yeah not very creative i guess but uh Let's see, is there anywhere else, uh, or is is uh, is the website the primary way to contact you and find you?
1: Website way is the primary way to contact
0: me. All right. Perfect. And I,
1: I have a contact form on there. You even used it. It's a nice, a nice Squarespace contact form.
0: That and, is uh, how I found you, yes. Yep. Awesome. And I am uh, Brett Terpstra. I am TT Scoff on Twitter and app.net. And you can find me blogging at brettterpstra.com. And thanks very much for being here, Chris. This was a blast.
1: Thank you. This has been a lot of fun.
0: And uh, and thanks for listening to Systematic. We'll be back next week.